Hey everybody, we are Robert, Martin, and Francis, and this is Snakes and Otters, pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters, everybody. This is uh, our 55th episode, and this is going to be our Code of Honor episode for this month. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Boy, we are quick on the draw today, I can tell. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> well, you know, it's this whole lockdown thing. It, it, we're all moving a little bit slower because uh, as we record this, uh, we are still in lockdown. By the time you hear this, uh, it may be that, you know, at least limited uh, uh, breakthroughs on being able to get out and get about and do your business uh, will be happening. Uh, who knows? We maybe so. baseball will start it up by the time you hear this. Uh, well, hope springs it. eternal. That's right. <laughs> So, yes, right. listeners, so, we are recording this one uh, uh, online rather than in person, so that yep. uh, accounts for the a little bit of the talking over top of each other and the jumps and stuff. Yeah, and our voices may sound a little bit different than they have in the past as well. So, uh, code of honor. Uh, you know, as we as as you know, if you've been a listener of the show. Uh, we each come up with a, a quote that we want to talk about, uh, why it's either something important or something meaningful to us, and we share one quote and uh, what it means and have a lively discussion. So uh, who's going first today, guys? Well, I think I'd like to, if that's all right, with uh, Francis. Martin. Take it away. All right. Well, I am uh, heading back to my favorite wellspring, and that is P.J. O'Rourke. You know, we did P.J. as a hero recently. Yep. And uh, my very first Code of Honor quote was a P.J. Mm-hmm. So this month I am doing another one. Uh, this is from his book, Parliament of Horrors, uh, which uh, we discussed yeah. at some length uh, during our P.J. episode. But it is, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. So apropos uh-huh. of the time that you did. <laughs> so, it, it, and I and I, I don't want to give the listener the impression that I am. Uh, hey, the hell with it. Let's just get out and do stuff. I, I understand that we we do want to take precautions. That we do want to recognize the risk. Uh, we were discussing this a little bit in pre-show, and. Yes, this is a unique situation. This this disease is serious. It is um, more dangerous than influenza and things like that. It, and, it, and it does bear the need for precautions. And, and certainly you want to limit the exposure uh, of vulnerable populations. But doggone it, Amen. this is America. Uh, America. You know, life is... N- is not without risk. You manage your risk. Um, you know, there's risk to driving on the expressway. You manage that by wearing your seatbelt. You, you know, you buy a car with an airbag. You, you attempt to manage the risk, but you don't get paralyzed by it. And I think there's well said. Some, some politicians out there that are seeking to paralyze us. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to go full conspiracy theory, and it's a dry run for, you know, uh, totalitarian state. I, I mean, I, I'll give the governors of places like Michigan and Kentucky a little bit of uh, a benefit of the doubt here. I, I think it's mostly 
they saw themselves on TV for a couple of weeks and everybody going, hey, you're doing a great job, Governor. And it just kind of built on itself. Yeah. And they, they kind of insulated themselves from from criticism a little bit. Yeah, and and now know, that there's pushback. Oh, go ahead, Robert. Oh, I was just going to point out, since you brought up those two states, you know, those I think have some, some larger political ramifications. Obviously, with uh, the governor of Michigan, uh, she is supposedly on Biden's short list uh, for VP, even though she has said, oh, no, I don't want it. But she sure is on TV an awful lot. And yeah. the other ones, if you look an at audition. She, yeah. And if you look at what's going on in Kentucky, the first thing I noticed about Governor Bashir's uh, press conferences is he's got that seal in the background that says Kentucky State Capitol. That looks a hell of a lot like the U.S. presidential seal. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just think there's there's that's not entirely unintentional. Yeah. Optics matter. Like a presidential yeah. press conference. Yeah. So yeah, and, and Francis is right. The optics do matter, and certainly for for Bashir, there's a recognition that he won election by what was it, five thousand votes? Very small. Uh, yes. Yes, right. a, a razor thin majority over a guy that basically spent four years trying to piss off as many people as he could. And he was damn uh, good at it. Very efficient yeah, at that. I, yes, he was. Yes, very clumsy. Uh, I, I, and I, I want to give Bevan, again, some credit, a little bit of benefit of the doubt. I think he had a recognition that there were genuine problems in this state. But he oh, just yeah. seemed to not be able to help himself at putting a stick through the bars and agitating everybody about them. Uh, yeah, so yeah I actually met him once. One half of leadership. He to... Yeah, he he could have done for the state of Kentucky uh, as far as cementing um, Republican governance at the state level. It's been a slow climb to the governorship uh, as a regular yes. thing. The, the, the Republicans have pretty much got everything else locked down, uh, except obviously in the in the blue cities. And he he just, pardon my French, pissed it all away for him. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a conservative state. It's always been a conservative state. When uh, Blue Dog Democrats were the norm, they, this was an exclusively blue state. But it was conservative at the time. Now that that's no longer an option, then the, it has slowly become red. It's not purple by any means. No. But no. Uh, sometimes yeah. we'll find th things like this. It, is, he pissed it yeah. all away. It's exactly right. Yeah. And it's a Trump state by, what, 20 points? Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, very ready. a little bit off track as far, from your from your quote there, uh, Martin. Yes, thank you, thank you, uh, Robert. But yeah, I just uh, it, it's a it's a key thing to keep in mind during these times. Uh, these folks are, don't generally audition, and we don't generally test their leadership skills before they get these jobs, uh, these mayors and governors. So just be careful how much power. We give them. Uh, Power once given is not easily taken back. Yes, yes. Your freedoms once given away, you, you don't get them back. And it's important to keep in mind that most of these folks that have these jobs don't really necessarily have special talents. They just have a lot of friends that donate money uh, so they can buy a lot of TV spots. A lot to that, yeah. <laughs> How, how jaded of you, sir. <laughs> but you're exactly right. Well, and, you know, yes, uh, especially once you get to, the, to, to a certain level, uh, you know, you've built up uh, owing a lot of favors uh, and yeah. you are beholden to special interests. Because, 
you know, I don't care what anybody says. There's a lot of talk about, well, you know, we should uh, exclude special interests from, from campaigning and donating and blah, blah, blah. Well, then nobody can donate because everybody's a special interest. I'm a special interest of one. Yep. Exactly. Why would so, you limit uh, anyone's ability to participate in the process? Right. Uh, it makes no sense to, to shut somebody out deliberately just because you don't like them or you think they're one thing or another. Sooner or later, that becomes codes of conduct, and then we eliminate our enemies. And that goes back, Martin, to exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Philosophically, it's a straight line. That's exactly right. In reality, there's probably a lot of bumps and twists and curves, but, you know, philosophically, it's the same thing. Yeah, power tends to corrupt, as we know, and power in large groups tends towards totalitarianism. That is an absolutely uh, – it's, 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 it's just inevitable. <clears throat> it's, something, it's almost like a gravitational pull that happens over time. It requires exceptional people and exceptional systems to prevent that from happening. And oh. your, your quotation from PJ is a cautionary reminder to us, uh, especially relevant in these yeah. times where we can easily see that, well, maybe the government needs to be in charge. Well, yes, yes, but. Up to a point. Uh, that's not, that's that right. Blindly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Blindly uh, getting into that. And there are many people that parse things like the Constitution that say this is unconstitutional, that's constitutional. It's not a bad barometer, but I think a lot of times you can make that say whatever you want it to say. Uh, there's been some Especially of that going on. The way the uh, Supreme Court has ruled on um, interstate commerce uh, cases, basically giving the federal government the right to interfere in just about anything they want. And uh, in other cases that we don't have anywhere near enough time to go into that basically has trained the populace to whenever there's a problem, where do they go? Well, they don't go to their uh, to their pastor necessarily or uh, their local city council representative or the mayor or their state representative or the governor. They go straight to the federal government. What are you going to do to fix it? It's like, what, why should the federal government fix the pothole in front of my house? Well, the, the principle of subsidiarity is lost on most people. They don't Absolutely. realize that local, local solutions to local problems. That's, you, you always, it's always the, the only humane way is for the lowest level of government, the localist, that it, as it were, to handle that things. That is able to. That is able to. That's correct. And certain things rise to that. Uh, and yeah. again, it's it's complicated. You know, Trevor Slattery always makes an appearance in every episode from us. It's <laughs> yeah, complicated. Because it is. That's it's complicated. Right. That's yeah. Right. So, yeah, that is the danger. Uh, and of course, now you, government has realized through the Treasury, even though theoretically. Uh, you know, the Fed is not really part of the government. In all, for all intents and purposes, it is. Yep. Uh, they can print money, and they don't actually have to ask anybody to print money. That's right. And that's something we learned uh, through the last uh, administration, that the Fed was absolutely willing, uh, well, tail end of, of Bush and then all through Obama, the Fed was absolutely willing to print as much money as it was necessary. Uh, that's why when the when the debt was skyrocketing, even you know as a percentage, probably around or slightly more than the way it has now, but because things are larger now, but wouldn't surprise me if, if the percentage that things are skyrocketing now is higher. But that's when they first realized, you know, maybe we can't sell enough bonds to cover this stuff, and we have to to start issuing money. And then that became policy, mm -hmm. uh, quantitative easing. And I was I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to. 
you know, one arm of the government, essentially, for all intents and purposes, uh, having control of the money that we give to the other part of the government, well, hell, that, that, I mean, that's not, just, just give, that's not only giving them uh, whiskey and, and keys to the car, that's setting them up with the hookers, too. <laughs> oh, interesting how, how way very, you paid yeah, it forward, sir. How very Andrew Jackson of you. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> so there you go. So we yeah. So not only did we uh, you know tie this to other things, we tied it right back to our episode about uh, the 1824 and 28 elections. So and that was a fun episode. Yeah. Oh, was, that was good stuff. Uh, and listeners, we want to make clear here: this is not a political podcast at all. We don't. No, mean absolutely to do not. That. No, uh, uh, we're we, not endorsing any one side or another here. No we're, partisanship. We're we're just talking. Yeah events and perceptions of the current situation and perceptions and newsworthy items about current politicians. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. We'll, we'll, we will. All three of us are probably fairly, um, um, not entirely untrustworthy, but not entirely trusting of, uh, or not, not that we are untrustworthy. We're not entirely uh, trusting of government in general, uh, just yes. as a matter of principle. But, right. We, we recognize power has its uh, effects. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'd say probably all three of us are pretty, pretty well just, just about had it with, with all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, to me, there's nothing that makes a person's IQ go down further than when they start spouting partisan talking points. And that's from mm -hmm. either side. That's the time when I want to say, oh, nice to meet you, nice to see you, and walk away. Because as someone once wisely said, I refuse to have a battle of wits with an unarmed person. Yes. Especially when the unarmed person doesn't realize they're unarmed. Oh, absolutely. It's not fair yeah. contest in any, in any no. stretch. Well, it's not fair to them, and, and it's certainly not fair to you, because it's just more frustrating to you than it is anything else. That's so, exactly Fran, right. What is your quote? I think we have pretty much taken care of uh, Martin's quote here. Oh, I'm going to go uh, – mine, mine uh, I picked it because it's topical for what we're talking about here, or what we're experiencing, but I'm going totally far afield. I'm, uh, I'm, there's no repeats for, for me this time around. I'm going to go to a song, a song, a popular song. You probably know. I know we all know it. Uh, 1977, Waylon Jennings, Lukenbach, Texas, Back to the Basics of Love. I think that that song was not written by Waylon. In fact, he even didn't like the song as I was researching this. Uh, he never even went to Lugenbach, Texas until 1997, you know, 20 years <laughs> later. After It was number one uh, in the country charts at the time. It, it's, it's, you know, it's one of his more famous songs. And the entire theme of it is we need to slow down, shut up, and relax. And it says it's all throughout the song, but, the, but the, the, the quotation that I want to give you from it is the one uh, at the very end of the refrain, because it, it, and, I'll, and I'll just simply paraphrase it, in Lukenbach, Texas, ain't nobody feeling no pain. Well, that's a deliberate lifestyle choice. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, just a little bit of a trivia on that, Lukenbach, Texas has had their uh, signs stolen over the years uh, for the town over 40 times since this song was recorded. Uh, it's, it's, it's become a popular place because it's emblematic of a place where you can go where the troubles that you are experiencing are not. 
And it's an attitude that you bring with you that, that, that comes from this place of, I am not going to feel any pain because I'm not going to let myself. Well, and this place gives you that. Let me ask you a question, not to be contrary, but because when I, when I hear the phrase, uh, and I hear the words as part of your phrase, uh, not feeling any pain, to me that just makes me think they're all, all drunk. <laughs> oh, well, there certainly is that a little bit to that. Uh, but as a general rule, no, that was not, that's not the intention. Uh, that the, guys, the guys that wrote it, uh, Bobby Edmonds and Chip Moment, I want to make sure I give them their credit because they, they wrote it and they took it, uh, they took it to Waylon Jennings and they, and they said, you shouldn't record this, but listen tell me, and tell me what you think, which was apparently a manipulation on him because that's the surefire way to get him to want it. And he records it, didn't even like it, and it's a number one. Go figure. Uh, well, but he himself of, was good. Uh, he was contrarian anyway. Well, yes. Speaking of feeling no pain and uh, being drunk, not that we are drunk, uh, we are all have, as usual, our glass of fine bourbon. Uh, Martin, I presumed you, that uh, this song would bring that subject to the forefront absolutely. quickly. It's a good segue. Martin, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, this is Larceny. Ah, Larceny Neat. Love it. Yes. Yep. Neat. You've been going to that a lot lately. I guess you ride your winners, right? When it's good, it's good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's open, so, you know. Well, that's part of it. I'm finishing, <laughs> yeah, I'm finishing off my Woodford. Uh, I had forgotten I still had some of that. Uh, I've been drinking basil most of the time lately. I thought I need to switch it up occasionally. And, I, and I've got some, you know, as Robert, it's your favorite. And, and that's not the double oak. It's not the really expensive double version oak of is it. My favorite. Yes. But it is but still one of the really most reliably great bourbons out there. And, you know, it's kind of one of those that we go back to over and over again. Uh, yeah. Lots of them we do, but uh, yeah. you just can't beat it. Well, one of the reasons we go back to them over and over is that uh, once we open up, just as Martin has once we open up a bottle, we got to finish it. Yeah, sooner or later, yeah. So it will, it will, you know, until we run out, and I can probably finish this one, not, not tonight, but certainly uh, in the next few times, and then it's time to buy something new uh, yeah, and see what else we're going to have. Yeah, I currently have several bottles, several different bottles that are open, so I've been able to... to I, yeah, that's right. You've got more than the rest of us. Perhaps you need to bring the bourbon when we finally gather together uh, in person again. <laughs> what, let you luscious drink all my bourbon? Oh, well, <laughs> what better I, use I, for it? Sharing it with good friends. Yeah, that, I am Martin? saving a, a special bottle for us, an unopened bottle for the next time we do gather. Oh, did you get oh, a really? bottle of pappies for us? No, 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 the bottle of bullet that I have, oh, I'm saving. Okay. I'm not going to open it until we That's right. You've had that for a while, and we've been talking about that uh, going to crack it at some point. That seems a, the best reason yeah. of all I can think of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got myself, special glasses and everything that goes with it. Good, good. So for myself, I'm um, back to the Makers 46, uh, which is uh, this bottle was new for me. Uh, when we first started drinking it, uh, I'd, I'd gotten it at Christmas time. Uh, from one of my daughters, and I'm not a huge fan of, of makers as far as the scale of bourbon. Uh, regular makers, I was like, eh. It's to me, it's an average bourbon, even though it's got a high end. Not that I still would not take makers as a sponsor. Uh, then I would stick to the makers 46 and talk about that all day long, because the makers 46, I think, is a, is a pretty good, uh, pretty good bourbon. Uh, yeah, we've had. I enjoyed it when we've had it. Yeah. You know, I consider regular makers uh, uh, mixing bourbon. And Makers 46, oh. I consider a sipping bourbon. There you go. That's very well put. All right, so, right. Francis, back to your quote. Yes. So, feeling no pain. Because you choose to feel, to feel no pain. Um, I, I kind of like that because, for me, um, you know, I'm real big on the, uh, the, the idea and the concept that uh, 
you know, we are, as human beings, we have not just the, the ability, but the responsibility to choose mm-hmm. how we respond to things. Absolutely. And knee-jerk responses are not being fully human. They are, uh, 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 you're being triggered, you know, to use the, the parlance of the day. Oh, yeah. well, you know, brain chemistry itself supports this. The reptilian yeah. brain takes over. Uh, it yeah. hijacks, you know, the higher levels of that. And I'm sorry, but a whole lot of people are using that reptilian brain all over the place these days. Well, and not even just and, during this medical crisis. Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. It's, there's the political world, and yeah. it's worse there, and that's bleeding over into everything else. Well, yeah, exactly as we were just discussing. You know, so many times partisanship is an excuse not to think. Yeah, and yeah. that's uh, and that's that's the, one of the perfect examples. There are many others, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, but it, to me, I, I I love this quote. I, I love the music anyway. I was a huge Will and Jennings fan. I actually got to see him twice, uh, and he he performed this one both times, and it always spoke to me as something that words of wisdom that so many times in this yeah. busy world we live in, we don't take the time to be human, to just be. Uh, and this song reminds us of the need for that. Uh, and we cannot sustain ourselves forever without that. And I think those words are wise. And they're also pretty damn uh, cleverly written as well. Martin? Yes. Uh, you know, that's, that's terrific stuff, uh, Francis. You know, I, I came at the current situation, the blink as I call it, from this very <laughs> contrarian stop giving the government power, uh, you know, live on your feet, not your knees kind of perspective. And now you've rounded that over with this very humanist, um, I think the way it uh, it's out there in the popular literature is event plus response equals outcome. So the yeah. events, of course, the pandemic, your response is up to you. That's correct. The, it's the, the only event, variable. The other is a yeah. constant. Yeah, the event may be out of your control, but your response is within your control. And yeah. that's going to determine the outcome. And like you said, you, you can choose here to come through a painful episode in everyone's life. I mean, this is going to be one of those things um, you know, Kennedy assassination. They were, older people remember November 63. Uh, and this is going to be one of those things for everyone that's alive right now that sure. 20, 30, 40 years, same thing with like 9-11 for us uh, mm-hmm. and, and younger people. Is, this is going to be one of those things 20, 30 years. Well, how did you get through the pandemic? And choosing that, okay, we can come through this. It, it, we can we can decide uh, not to feel pain, and and that's that's a glossy way of saying it. But you can decide to be strong. You can decide that this is not going to break me. It's not going to break my family. We'll like I said, you'll, we'll take our reasonable precautions, and we will of get course. out there and we will we will tackle life again. Right, and that's not to say. So, because again, I want to. I know this is the way you meant it. Because I, I just want to to build on that. And that's not to say that um, that that means that everybody should uh, just go through the whole thing smiling and and, and about their business, and, right. and not care about what goes on. Because that's that's absolutely not at all. 
the opposite of what we're about. That's correct. But this is not pure escapism or uh, where, where you are, are disengage. It's not meant to be right. that at all. Right. It, it, it's about choosing to, at least for me anyways, it, it's about choosing to handle it in a certain way. If somebody close to me passes, of course I'm going to be sad, and that's going to be hard to deal with. But luckily so far, I don't even know anybody that has it, uh, you know, because everybody in my circle of friends has been uh, very uh, uh, locked down and, and not exposed, I guess. Uh, and, and now I do know some nurses, so, you know, I probably, so I definitely know people who know people that have passed, you know, as well as, as, as having gotten it. But, you know, and, and so maybe, you know, maybe that does color how we, we phrase this, but, you know, that we, that we have to deal with those events all the time anyways. I think giving it special significance here, while, yes, that's important because this is a significant event for everybody, giving it more importance than we would, nor, you know, a normal situation is different. I don't, I don't, think, that, I don't think that's helpful yeah. because when somebody dies, they die. It doesn't matter what they die of. Uh, in, in one sense, other than, you know, stupid accidents or murder, uh, you know, and, and again, not that I'm saying I want everybody to just take their chances, but um, somebody's death isn't worse because of this than if somebody got in a car accident. If we can find a way, uh, one good thing that may come from this, it doesn't appear to be, but it should, is having a, a genuine respect for the dignity and sanctity of all human life. Uh, there are some that do not uh, that make that uh, something that's conditional, depending on maybe your state of development or uh, your productivity. And this is something we believe is unity. That's right. Well, utility, uh, thank you, John Stuart Mill. If we wanted, uh, we, we should probably do an episode on that so I can take pot shots at him with whatever weapons you have. Martin, because I think so much of our problems in the society of as long as I want to do it, I should be able to, comes yeah. right from him. Uh, yeah. And we can dehumanize anyone. Uh, and if we are going to really, if it really does matter that all human life matters, then all human life matters. And we should take our reasonable precautions as best we can, but recognize we are mortal. We all are mortal. We cannot stop yeah. death under any circumstances. Uh, thank you, Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a Frankenstein episode eventually on that. We're going to really go deep on that. Yeah. Well, you know, this, this all leads us to our favorite code of honor, strength and honor. Yes. True, we, true. That's we, kind we of our watchword. We, we, we have to come out of the pandemic with strength and honor. Strength and honor yes. will carry us through Both. it. And coming yeah. out on the other end, will be stronger. I, I fully, fully, and I, I, I don't feel like I'm being a Pollyanna here, I fully expect when we come out on the other side of this, there's going to be some awesome stuff. Uh, I, I think a ton of business uh, entities are going to realize, hey, you know what? We can offer telework on a much broader basis than we've ever thought of. Oh, you're not demonizing it. Because many yes. places did. Yes, our many places thought it was skyrocket. Our, our employee wellness, our retention is going to skyrocket. Our costs go down. Yes, oh, absolutely. costs go down. And so there's just going to be this huge bump in productivity, uh, and it'll get cars off the road, so that's good for the environment. I mean, it's. I think there's going to be 
this great place on the other side of this. And we just have to get there with strength and honor. Very nice. Very nice. So uh, anything else you guys want to add to either one of your comments? Because if not, I'll go ahead and uh, uh, take on mine here. Go for it, bro. All right. Bring it on. So you know, we don't always talk about what we're going to do uh, before the episode starts. Uh, sometimes Martin and Francis will uh, go ahead and share what their quotes are going to be, which they did before this episode started. Uh, I almost never do. Uh, because I like that option of, of um, having something in mind and going with it or being able to, to pivot and say, oh, this quote over here is much better and let's go with that. So the one I had in mind works perfectly. So we were all in, in synchrony to begin with. And I, think I love it when a plan comes together. Going philosophical with what you guys are saying. So mine, it's the, whoever said this... Uh, it, I don't know who it was because the source I got it from is, says it's anonymous. They don't know where it came from. So, uh, you know, I'm not stealing it. I just don't know who. So the quote is, blessed are those who can give without remembering and take without forgetting. So to me, what I like about this is it's, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great way to sum up so many different aspects of some of the things we're going through. So, you know, give without remembering. To me, that's all about, look, you help who you can, and, you know, you don't, you don't worry about getting repaid. It's like when you go to, to lunch or dinner with your friends, and somebody picks up the tab, that's fine, because, you know, one of you is going to pick it up the next time. You know, it's mm -hmm. not that big a deal. It's like, you know, you go next door to borrow a cup of sugar. Well, you're not really going to borrow a cup of sugar. You're not going to take a cup of sugar back over there. You know, next week after you've been to the grocery store, it's, it's, it's that kind of principle. But if we live our lives that way, that's a much better way to live rather than trying to uh, hold everybody accountable for, I gave, now you have to give back. And the take without forgetting, that's extremely important too because that's remembering, hey, I was down on my luck and somebody helped me. Therefore, I should turn around and do the same thing when I'm back on the other side able to give. So it's a nice circle. And I think, that's a, I think that's forgotten in so many different ways about how we live today. Uh, you know, we're, we're too often keeping score on, on how we live our lives. You know, I, I paid this much in taxes, so I should get at least that much back in services. Or, you know, I paid this much in taxes, and now you're near that much back. Uh, you know, there's always the, the blue state versus the red state. Supposedly the blue states give more money to the federal government and receive less than the red states. Uh, that, you know, we can debate that one all day long because yeah. that usually includes um, um, uh, uh, military bases. And that's not, yeah. that's not the same thing. Uh, that should be excluded. Yeah. But anyways, um, and there's this whole thing about, if you see in memes today and online arguments, you know, the, talking about how the blue states are going to bail out the red states. Like, I don't think that's true, first of all, because most of the, the, the blue states are in trouble financially that the red states are not in right now. Uh, so, but it's that trying to keep score. Keeping mm -hmm. score about how we help one another is a sure way to tribalism and the death of society. Because as you were talking about it, you know, yes, we are all in it together, even in our own individual ways, and we, we respond in individual ways. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
we're all in it together in the sense that we're all connected. And if we, to talk about Martin's quote, you know, if we all are giving all of our power and money to the federal government, we're all going to regret that later on. <laughs> I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the government, they only remember, they, they, they take this the opposite. They remember how much they give and they absolutely forget how much they take. Yep. And that's a bad situation for anybody to be in. We've all worked for companies that were run like, uh, by people like that. They remember how much Absolutely. they give, but don't remember how much they take from you. And, it all, you know, and that goes back to, in so many ways, you could tie that back to the strength and honor that Martin talked about. And I think you could tie it back to my favorite uh, code of honor, which is, the, is about the inherent dignity of the human person. Because these are all tied together. You know, you have to respect that dignity, and when you do, you don't worry about how much you've given so that you can get it back. And you don't worry about how much you're giving or how much you're taking because, you know, you know that that's just taking care of one another. And that might sound to some of our listeners like I'm a, you know, wild-eyed liberal, uh, social liberal, but I'm not. But I am about that dignity of the human person. And that should go across aisles. And that, should, that shouldn't matter about whatever your particular ism is. I think it's just one of the things we need to remember. Anyway, yeah, it seems, it, seems as if we, it seems as if we have forgotten that we're all in this together, whatever that is at any given moment. Uh, what you're talking about is division. Uh, it's divisive by its very nature. And in fact, I'll submit to you that the political process is by its nature, only survives by division. But that is exactly antithetical to the common good because all people should be succeeding. We should rejoice when our neighbor succeeds because they will rejoice when we succeed. All of us, there's room for all of us to succeed. Now that's, that's very American. It's not exclusively American. And I'll submit to you that the, the, what you're talking about, this, this, this partisanship division, it's un-American at its core because it presumes that it, it, it presumes zero sum. If somebody's winning, other people are losing. It doesn't have to be that way. By definition, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, you, you, everybody can succeed if we play by the rules. Yes, I get that. That's the important part. Rules should be such they're guides to take us to do the right thing, the thing that we should know instinctively anyway. Uh, Martin? You're so, so right, because that's another whole other PJ. Uh, you know, the economy is not a pizza. Uh, if somebody, if Bill Gates has all the slices, we're not left with a box. Right, we just order another pizza. We just order another pizza. There's productivity. Right. So you're so right. And it's, you know, Robert, it's just, you're just awesome at nailing these things in because what you're talking yeah. about is this charity and the sense of taking care of each other. Again, subsumed underneath strength and honor. Part of honor is okay, if there's somebody you can help, you help. And that is always superior to government. Yeah, always. Yeah. Now, and we have to recognize that there are some things that are so big that government needs to have a hand in at whatever level, and I'm fine with that. Um, the problem is we, we tend to maximize the one at the expense of the other. Yes. Private charity is nearly dead in this country. And you know, compared to where, is, where it was just 100 years ago, uh, there are almost no private hospitals run by the Catholic Church anymore. Uh, at one time, not that long ago, the Catholic Church was the largest medical provider in terms of hospitals in the entire country, probably the entire world, 
Maybe yeah. still it still is in the entire yeah. world. I, I don't know. Um, but now we've changed that system, and we've governmentized, for lack of a better phrase, uh, charity. And whether you call it charity or justice, because every man should and woman and child, uh, they should be able to have something to eat, clean water to drink, and all of that. How that gets delivered is always up for debate. And sure, we're living that dream right now. Right. And how we take care of those that don't have enough has been pushed off to the highest level possible, and we have squeezed out uh, private charity so much that it's exceptional yeah. when it happens. And well, that's it, a big it, thing, too, because it, it takes it, it, it depersonalizes it, you know? That's a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. That's a very bad thing. Yeah. Americans still do give huge sums to charity, but it's we so do, yeah. diffuse now. There are so many charities, and people, I think their mindset becomes, well, the government's taking care of this, this, and this, so I get to do my charity for cats and dogs. Or, or, or and, and I don't mean to, to knock on animal lovers and people who care about uh, animals sincerely. That's That's awesome. But, you know, you pass up the chance to be charitable to a human being because, oh, well, the government takes care of that, so I'm going to donate to panda bears or something like that. There's just that charity now has become so diffuse, uh, and I think because government intrudes on so many facets uh, uh, right. of our lives. Charity has become corporate in the sense, not as in business, but in the sense that it's a entirely a group thing handled over the entire country, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It's non-personal, impersonal right. because, in, in the extreme. Again, and that gives you a reason not to bother. Right. Like you lose sport. track of that dignity of the human person. You know, that's why um, you know, Democrats run ads showing uh, Republicans pushing grandma off a cliff in a wheelchair. Because, you, one, you depersonalize it because the issue is, well, supposedly we're going to cut Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and blah, blah, blah. That never happens because... Nobody's nobody's got the balls to attack that for real. Um, whether you need yeah. whether it needs to be done or not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you know it, because because it is done at that level. Um, well, you know, Martin. I think Martin, you said it probably as well as anybody can here. That it, you know it, it's all about depersonalizing and taking that personal responsibility away from the person giving. If I can't look the person I'm giving help to in the eye, then the help doesn't seem to be all that important either. Now, it's not to say that I want all corporate or all uh, government charity to be to stop, all government help to stop. But I think right. cultivating an individual sense of responsibility in that area is something that is absolutely necessary. And that responsibility can take so many forms. You know, yes, part of that is also if you're going out and you got a cough right now, wear the damn mask or stay at home. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is the point of the mask, people. It's not to keep you from getting sick from other people. It's to keep you from coughing on other people. Right. And yeah, I understand the mask. it's hot and sweaty, and but... You know, wear it over your nose, not just your mouth. Right. <laughs> you know, and wear it when you're in public. You don't need to wear it in your car when you're by yourself. I'm just right. saying. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I feel like I'm kind of monopolizing all this, but... 
it just this is one of those things that for me is is uh, so frustrating. Really, yeah, just sure. gets at me. Yeah, exactly. And this is not. Yeah, it's become what's in it for me. It's everything has to be a quid pro quo for so many people, and that's kind of Martin. What you were talking about here, you know, so much of my taxes, I pay it, I get it back. That's not the point. Uh, It's supposed to be the common good. That means everybody, everybody benefits. And I think if we would concentrate more on the human equation, then so many, like you said, Robert, uh, personalize the face of those in need. And there are very few people that will not respond well. Yeah. The problem is when that's done now, it's usually a, a fundraising tactic. You know, yep. think of Sally Struthers and the, and the poor, starving children in Africa. You know, you know yep. my first thought is, well, you know, that, you know, cameraman that's 100 pounds overweight, how about he gives up his lunch to that kid? But that's another thing, you know. <laughs> You're not yeah. making a comment on Sally Struthers' weight. I certainly hope not, sir. No, 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 no. I uh, thought it was a cameraman, but, you know. Kid, yeah. Okay, I understand. I understand. It only works if he looks hungry. Yeah, that's true. It only works if he looks hungry. Uh, so. The kid's sad, you know, if he's happy because he's got a sandwich. It's, you know, that's bad optics for your that's for bad your optics. <laughs> yeah, there's optics again. No, absolutely. That comes back more and more, doesn't it? Well, and that's part of the problem with the the the, the media-driven life that we all live. Because, and, and I say that as we are putting that's out a well podcast. Okay? Yeah, that's very well put. Yeah, um, because podcasting is a a form of media, but your social media—it's media. Your you know your Twitter feed, your Facebook feed, Instagram, whatever you're using. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm showing my age because none of the kids use those anymore. All the kids probably still use Twitter because uh, it's hard for, so, for us old TikTok. folks to dominate that. Yeah, TikTok, you know, all the others. Uh, you know, Snapchat, and whatever else is, is, is going on. I, I just don't have, the, I don't have the energy to keep up with that crap. <laughs> but we are so media-driven in the sense that we are worried about how things look. Uh, that's where virtue signaling comes from, is how things look. And that's one of the things that really drives me nuts, because I see it happen oh, yeah. on both sides of the aisle, uh, or, or of any debate. And that just keeps everything, not just divided, but also uh, that what's in it for me uh, that you were talking about, Francis. Um, we, are, we are at our best when we respond to big crises. Now, this is the exception. When you look at how the country comes together for major wars or major catastrophes, those are great examples. This is probably the first major crisis in the country that we have seen in I don't know how long that is all about the division. That's a scary thing. Because that shows where we've gone in the last 20 years. Because after 9-11, uh, for at least six months, you know, the country was rallied around uh, getting the guys that perpetrated the attack. And then well, last the month, entire Congress saying God month. bless America on the steps. Pardon? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, right after 9-11, the entire Congress saying God bless America publicly on the steps of the Capitol. Right. That would be unheard of today. Yeah. Just 20 years. Well, nowadays you couldn't get them all together to stand next to one another. Um, so but there is some universal appreciation. Again, I, I am pleased that that not only do doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals of all sorts 
uh, all the way down the ladder to the nutrition services and, and LPNs and all that get appreciation. But there's been a lot of appreciation for the average working person, the truck driver, the yeah. warehouse worker. So there is some universality that, that, that is very positive out of all this. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, – we really covered the pandemic from every every angle here. I'm I'm very much in the uh, you know strength and honor. We'll get through this. Um, that's that's what it'll take. Uh, and and you know you guys are at the very much the take care of yourselves um, and, and get through it. And and you know be nice to other people. Yeah, it's not just about be, being be nice. Decent. Yeah. But it's be decent and and like you said, don't don't try to remember that you were decent to other people. Right. <laughs> just 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 be decent and and don't worry about what you're giving and what's being taken, uh, and it's all going to work out. Right. So this is a, a you know for those who are extremely um, uh, faith-filled and church-going, they're going to not like what I'm about to say because of the way I'm going to put it. But if I were to talk to a very secularized group of people, this is how I would put it: is that you can, boil, you know, to them, not not to not to my parishioners, but you know, you can boil down everything Jesus said and in the Gospels and all of Scripture. The whole point of salvation is don't be a dick to one another. <laughs> yeah. That's very well put, sir. You have us surrounded, I do believe. You know, I would never, never say that in church, but, you know, um, <laughs> essentially... Well, I'm sure you can find a way to rephrase that in a palatable fashion, of yes, course. Yes, I probably could. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make quite the same point if you say it, you know, don't be a jerk to one another. <laughs> yeah. That's correct, Christ, exactly. Christ is the only path to salvation. However, in the meantime, don't be dicks. Right. <laughs> you know... And it just seems like that's all everything is anymore when talking about this media-driven way. It's because everybody's remembering the wrong things and forgetting the wrong things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here we're we on fire today, to be, sir. Yeah, media, <laughs> media influencers are trying to influence you not to worry about the media. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, are we, we stand on our principles first, boys. You know that. Uh, uh, There's there certain things that we're, uh, you know that we won't do. I, mean, I know that's kind of like the guardrails on the side of the bridge. You're com that's comforting, but you don't ever expect to ever have to use them, of course. But, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, we've probably uh, pummeled this expired equine uh, quite a bit. Uh, anything else anybody wants to add? Because, you know, I, I think we did a pretty good job circling around all of us. I think we that's all hit on our, on our... On our I, am, I never cease to be amazed at how well we always manage to make this work. All right, so I think that's all for us uh, on this particular episode of uh, Snakes and Otters and the uh, Code of Honor episode. Francis, what do we have up next? Well, Pilgrim, we're going to talk about the Duke. Yes, it's a Heroes episode, somebody we have been kicking around for a while. Uh, John Wayne, you know, for people our age and our, and our parents' age, he was so formative. And you know this really dovetails into what we're talking about here. We're talking about... His Americanism and his way of bringing people together, uh, even if you disagreed with him, he was somebody that you could rally behind. He understood the fact of unity and bringing people together. And you know that's sorely lost today. And uh, he was a, he was a – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go right ahead. You got it. Roll with it, baby. Say, to me, John Wayne is the epitome 
of the man's man. Yes, absolutely. That's why we admire him. One of the many reasons we admire him. And that's why he was one of our heroes. Uh, So we're going to talk about him next time. We're going to go deep with him. I suspect many of our younger listeners know of him, but don't really know him. They didn't live through any of his uh, movies. He's uh, been something that you watch on those old cable channels. We're going to show you he's much, much more than that. He really did define a time period and define something good about who we were as a country. Come back to us next time. You'll enjoy it. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us, and please... Remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.